Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Hey, everybody. What's up? DJ Bucky here. Move the Sticks. And, uh, Buck, we got a lot to get to today. A little little bit of NFL, a lot of college, especially focusing on uh, the quarterback position. Man, you know, we love it when we have an opportunity to talk about quarterbacks because quarterbacks are the face of the franchise, and we know you have to have a quarterback to be able to win at a high level. So, yeah, we're going to talk about some of these intriguing college quarterback prospects. But we're going to talk about a guy who may have gotten brushed under the rug last year, Danny Daniel Jones. I was about to call him Danny Dodds. We're going to talk about what he is facing <laughs> in his second start, uh, taking on the Washington Redskins. We'll also touch on a little bit about Melvin Gordon. But as you laid it out, we got an interview from Gary Anderson. But this is all about the college quarterbacks, talking about the guys that we see bubbling up at the collegiate level. 
Yeah, those that don't know, Gary Anderson, the head coach at Utah State, his second stint there. We're going to have a fun conversation with him about really the culture. They have a great culture there at Utah State. He helped build, um, and it's been sustained in his absence, and, and you're seeing them be a very competitive, very good football team right now. And they're led by one of the top quarterback prospects in the upcoming draft, should he choose to enter it, and Jordan Love, who is a very intriguing prospect. We're going to break him down as a player, uh, talk to Coach Anderson about what he sees from him, uh, not only on the field, uh, but what to expect from him off the field. So really do a deep dive on Jordan Love and then talk about some of these other quarterbacks because I believe right now as we sit, Buck, um, there could be as many as six first-round quarterbacks in the upcoming draft. That is a big number, but we'll make sense of it all later on in the show, I promise you. Uh, but let's get to some NFL stuff here before we jump into the college uh, tank here. Uh, Melvin Gordon showed up for, for work, Buck. Uh, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, look, look, I mean, I don't understand, like, why he took so long. Uh, he basically forfeited a bunch of money. Um, I guess he made his point to the league and to the teams that he felt like he should be a tier one running back and paid as such. However, um, I think this was a situation where he really didn't have the leverage. Um, unlike the other guys where the team was really dependent upon the running back. Uh, it was a running back driven squad. When you, you talk about like Ty Gurley or even a Bell or Ezekiel Elliott, when they got their money, it, it, it's different. Melvin Gordon is a very good player. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say he's a great player that I would lump in that category, but he is someone who can make plays uh, with the ball in his hands, whether it's running inside and out, catching the ball out the backfield. He has been a very dependable and quality starter for the San Diego Chargers. The issue that you have in San Diego is when you – or not San Diego, with L.A. The issue that you have is when you look at their team – their team is really driven by number 17. Phillip Rivers is the guy that kind of drives yeah. the bus. And so Melvin Gordon is always going to be viewed as a complimentary player when it comes down to doling out cash. And at some point, you're going to have to pay Rivers again. And I just don't think Melvin Gordon is special enough to command the kind of money and the kind of prestige that he wanted, which is why I knew this was going to be a tough one for him to win out. And ultimately, he came to his senses and came in. But the only thing that he can do going forward he has to ball out because when you have people that are viewing uh, this as a situation where, hey, they didn't miss anything with Eckler and Jackson taking over, I think Melvin Gordon has to show the charges the difference between what they had the first couple of weeks of the season and what they have when number 25 runs back on the field. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, this is a Chargers team that sits at one and two. They're averaging 5.2 yards a carry. Yep. Uh, their running backs in Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson have have been outstanding and played at a very high level. It, I'm interested to see how the uh, you know how it gets divvied up. You know how the carries get divvied up with Melvin coming back in. Now, obviously, he's the he's the most talented of, of the three of them. But I wouldn't say the other the other two are throwaways. These are really good players, and I think it'll allow them to really ease him in. It sounds like he's not going to play this week. That's too quick of a turnaround against the Dolphins. Um, turnaround come come back the next week. I would imagine you'll see a uh, somewhat of a limited role. I don't I don't know that you necessarily want to put a lot on his shoulders because you don't necessarily need to with the other backs they have in place, Buck. No, you don't need to put a, a heavy workload. I, I think the difference in Melvin Gordon and the other guys, I think when it ramps up, I think the thing that we've seen with like number one wide receivers and franchise quarterbacks and the like, when you're separating them from the others that play those positions, the special guys are able to consistently show up week after week after week, despite being kind of the, the object of the defense's attention. They still find a way to get it done. I think the difference in Gordon and Eckler and Jackson, I believe he's going to fare a little better when it kind of comes down the stretch and everyone's beginning to eliminate your top threats. I think Melvin Gordon has kind of more tools in the toolbox that will allow him to be a factor in the game plan. 
And if you look at the Chargers' losses this year, they've they've had leads and have lost leads. So uh, whereas I think you you look at that Chiefs formula we were discussing the other day, throw the ball, run your you know race out to a lead yep. through the passing game in the second half, you run it a little bit more. Not now, not only do you have kind of a hammer there with Melvin Gordon, you've got three guys you can rotate. And the way I would equate it is if you if you watch baseball and you see. You know, guys that have been in the starting rotation and they're throwing, you know, 93, 92, 93, and they have to sustain that. they got to govern it a little bit in order to sustain that velocity for seven innings. Then you see in the postseason, they throw some of these starters in the bullpen, and that guy that was throwing 92, 93, now he's throwing 96, 97 because he knows he can cut it loose. He's only got to throw an inning. Uh, that's what happens when you have a stable of backs. You can really, when you get out there and get carries, man, you let it loose. Yeah, look, he, they, can, they can play um – a full out in terms of like max maximize the opportunity when it comes to Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon to me is still a guy that is a 15 to 17 touch per game guy that provides plenty of opportunities for Jackson Eckler to get on the field. The thing would be, how do the chargers want to use it? We talked about the formula with the Kansas city chiefs throw early run late um, for the Chargers, They, kind of operate under the same premise. They like to get Phillip Rivers going, get him lathered up, get that offense out, play downhill is what I call meaning make the other team chase points so it plays to your defense's hands with those pass rushers, Bosa and Ingram. You want to jump out early, but then at the end of the game, you need to be able to kind of control the game and run out the clock. That's when Melvin Gordon has to be a factor. And so those must-have runs, I think he's an upgrade over Eckler and Jackson when it comes to the gotta-have-it, must-have type plays in the end of the game. Melvin Gordon is someone that I think you can depend on, which is why we will see his value um, we see them value him more as he becomes the guy that is kind of the closer for this team when they had the opportunity to win games in the last four minutes. And you don't want to talk about must-win games, but when you look at the schedule here, at Miami this week, then at home versus a winless Denver, at home versus a winless Pittsburgh. Uh, so the Chargers, despite missing a whole host of players, uh, have a legitimate shot here to roll up three wins, be sitting at four and two, uh, which I think they would gladly take knowing that eventually Hunter Henry's coming back, Derwin James is coming back, you're hopeful maybe Russell Kuhn's going to end up coming back, uh, then Michael Davis, a corner that's out, Trevor Williams, a corner out. They're going to get some of these guys back in the mix. So, um, And if they could get out to a four and two start, that would be a, an excellent start considering the circumstances. It would be an excellent start. And, and just so our, our listeners kind of understand, we talk about um, breaking this season up into quarters. And what some coaches will tell you, all we want to do is at the end of every quarter, if we can post a three-and-one mark, we're right on track. And so yep. if you're the Chargers, you're trying to get to the midway point at six-and-two. So being able to run out to a four-and-two start, that would kind of put them on their way. And we know, look, if you go three-and-one each quarter, you get to 12-and-four, you're guaranteed to probably get into the playoffs and a home game. And maybe you even end up as the top seed in the AFC. And so Despite all the injuries, the Chargers still have a chance to kind of climb their way to the top and put themselves in a position to challenge Kansas City for that division title. It starts right there with the Miami Dolphins, so you can't afford to lose uh, that one there on the road. One other NFL game I want to get to before we jump heavy into college. Daniel Jones getting his second start. Uh, we already stated our case the other day about how we think it should be a rookie-rookie matchup here with Dwayne Haskins. Uh, as we're recording this, we don't know necessarily if that's going to take place. But just on Daniel Jones, Buck, second start. You've been in the league. You've, you've played it. You've scouted it. Uh, you've seen what happens with quarterbacks and the adjustments that get made on the defensive side of the ball. What what, what do you expect here, uh, teams, to adjust uh, with Daniel Jones in the lineup week two? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Washington Redskins 
uh, elect to attack Daniel Jones in a second start. No Saquon Barkley puts even more pressure on number eight to kind of carry this offense. The one thing that we've talked about with Daniel Jones, what we liked um, outside of the leadership stuff, what he brought as an athlete, his ability to make plays um, as a runner and that read option game as a guy on movement and boot passes, but also being able to just kind of scramble when the pocket breaks down. It's an added dimension that you have to defend. The problem that he has now this week is everyone knows that Saquon Barkley isn't in the mix. So all eyes will be on him. Yeah. The game plan will be catered to really stopping him and the things that he showed that he could do really, really well last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So how quickly can he adapt and adjust to what the Redskins throw out at him, whether it's high pressure, whether it's making him throw against coverage, how quickly is he going to be able to adapt in the game? That will determine whether the Giants are successful. But by all accounts, I've liked what he's shown through the preseason and through one regular season start. We'll see if he can kind of keep it going against the Washington Redskins team that desperately needs a win. I'm going to give you the name of a rookie for the Giants that needs to play well for them to be successful, and it's not Daniel Jones. Uh, I'm going to say Darius Slayton. Mm. We saw him when he was put in the lineup and got a chance to see him for the first time. That speed we saw at Auburn, it showed up on the NFL field against Tampa. Had a big game there. And I think you mentioned those adjustments, Buck. No Saquon Barkley. It just reeks. It just You can see it as far as the, as the eye can see. Um, they are going to get up into these wide receivers. They are going to put numbers in the box. They're going to try and completely uh, you know, pressure Daniel Jones with no fear of the run game. And I, I think what you're going to see now is Darius Slayton, he's going to have to make some plays down the field over the top of coverage in, uh, in order to try and loosen things up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this is a game. If you're the Washington Redskins, you know you don't have to worry about Saquon Barkley being in the backfield. You go all out to make Daniel Jones uncomfortable. And with the weapons that he has on the outside, I don't know if he has a game changer in the passing game. So you want to press those guys up and see if they can win consistently their one-on-one -on -one matchups. And so while you're challenging them on the outside, you want to challenge Daniel Jones with some exotic pressures. Uh, make him try and figure out where the extra blisters are coming from. Let's see if he has the ability to change protection to give him the best opportunity to attack the threat of the defense. Um, if I'm Greg Winuski and I know that we're under the gun and we have to get a win, I am emptying the clip. I'm making sure that we throw everything at him and let's see if he can kind of stand up against a very, very chaotic and aggressive blitz pressure scheme. No, I, I'm with you. I think that's exactly what we're going to see in this ballgame. I'm excited to see Daniel Jones. Um, easy guy to root for. So we'll see how he does here in his second start going up against a, uh, a team that's really got nothing to lose. So I would imagine you'll nothing see lo so, so you have nothing to lose. Like, team. like we, we talk about the nothing to lose thing, right? And I'm looking at Jay Gruden in his press and he's talking yep. about Case Keenum and whatever. I, I'm still trying oh, to figure don't try out. Don't try and figure it out, Buck. You're going to go crazy. I, I'm still trying to figure out, okay, like what is the plan if you're the Washington Redskins? If you're the Washington Redskins, you're 0-3, you're sitting here, Case Keenum is whatever he is. You have a quarterback that you took in the first round in Dwayne Haskins. How long are we trying to sit Dwayne Haskins before we put him on the field? We have seen that the new recipe in the National Football League is not to sit your quarterback, but to put him out there, let him get those reps. And while he's getting reps, you're beginning to just keep a journal and a diary of what do we need to do to support him. I just don't understand why they're delaying the starting of Dwayne Haskins' clock. I, I just can't understand it. I told you the other day, I mean, you look at this Washington Redskins situation. If Dwayne Haskins does not start against the New York Giants, you either drafted the wrong quarterback or you hired the wrong coach. There's no other way to explain it. There's no other way to explain that. He, in my opinion, he has to be out there as a starter in this football game. We'll see what happens.
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's crazy to me that he's not out there. I think this comes from the top down. I think if I'm ownership and I'm aware of what has taken place the last three seasons, I mean, with the exception of Pat Mahomes, all these guys have jumped in to the fray. I mean, like Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, two of the more, uh, shoot, r- raw, unrefined prospects that we've seen in some times, they got on the field as rookies, and they had a level of success that allowed the teams to build upon their success in year two. I don't understand why you wouldn't want to put Dwayne Haskins out there, let him work through the rough moments, but learn how to build your team around him. I think, man, you have to have the knowledge and the wherewithal to know what we need. I mean, just having him, watching him in practice, you have no idea what he's going to perform like when he does get his opportunity to be on the field. Uh, I, I said that was it for the NFL, but I do want to ask you one quick thing. Just your thoughts on uh, Baker Mayfield trying to go at Rex Ryan here real quick. You know, like here, here's the issue that um, I had with Baker Mayfield before, and I think, you know, Baker Mayfield can see Rex Ryan as the ESPN analyst, but I think you and I both recognize that Rex Ryan is probably one of the greatest defensive coordinators that this league has seen. And you can't deny what he was able to do in Baltimore and with the defenses that he had under his tutelage. And so what Rex is saying is what some of the stuff that you and I have talked about during the run-up to the draft when Baker was coming out and what we've also seen, but we've kind of had to be tight-lipped because, look, he played at a high level a season ago. However, if we go all the way back to when we first started peeping him out, back his junior year at Oklahoma, I'm seeing junior year Baker Mayfield, meaning the chaotic playmaker from the pocket, the guy who has happy feet, the guy who drifts and leaves the pocket but is not an A-level athlete. And so Rex Ryan is kind of, I would say, speaking the truth when he talks about him being a one-read quarterback, a guy who's a little overrated in terms of who he is and how he was made out to be because he's not an extraordinary athlete. And so when he doesn't have the ability to throw on schedule and he's not protected at that level, it is hard for him to thrive and function, most like most quarterbacks. But when you're taking number one and you're undersized, we've talked about normally those guys that are taken at the top who don't hit the normal benchmarks, they have special qualities in other areas. Baker Mayfield doesn't have that. And so when he doesn't have the ability to throw his fastball, I don't know if he has a curve and a change up in the repertoire. And I think that is what we're seeing as teams are kind of catching up to this Browns offense and to Baker Mayfield, the second go around with Freddie Kitchens as the play caller. All right. I, I, you mentioned what you saw from Baker Mayfield as a junior, right? Mm-hmm. So every year I watch guys over the summer coming into the fall, college players. And then I did this series. I don't think I did this last year, actually, but I did it for a bunch of years called that first look series. You oh, yeah. Look? Yes. Um, yeah. Where I'd watch him. It was my first look. So I have Baker Mayfield. This is what I wrote about Baker Mayfield going into his senior year. So not the Baker Mayfield we saw, you know, just tear it up, clean everything up, win the Heisman Trophy, be the first overall pick. This is what I saw from Baker Mayfield that junior year that you were discussing, okay? Uh, I'm just going to say this is the areas I said he needs to improve and see if this sounds like Mm -hmm. what you're describing. Uh, Mayfield has a long way to go before he's ready to man the position at the next level. His accuracy on drive throws is concerning. He needs to be more firm with his throwing base when inside the pocket. His feet get very busy. He doesn't establish a foundation to place the ball accurately at the intermediate level. I love his creativity, but there are times he passes up easy completions while hunting for the big play that's not there. He doesn't need to be so greedy. Just take what's there and move on to the next down. So then I go into kind of my biggest takeaway. 
After a few Houdini-like plays from Mayfield, I wrote down Johnny Manziel 2.0 on my notebook. After studying a full three games, I felt like that wasn't a great comparison. Manziel was a little more dynamic than Mayfield as both a passer and runner. I know Manziel's NFL career didn't pan out, mostly because of off-field issues, but Manziel did possess a unique skill set. I think a better comparison for Mayfield is Colt McCoy coming out of college. Mm. I know OU fans won't appreciate this comparison, but I think they're similar athletes who possess similar arm talent. Both guys are big-time winners in college. I think Mayfield, like McCoy, he'll have a long NFL career as a solid number two quarterback. Now, that's that's going into his senior year. Obviously, so, no, no, no. So, tremendous no, strides. So, and I, I moved my grade up, but that's what I saw at that point in time. So, typically, your first exposure to someone is, is kind of what you really feel, and it's hard to get someone to move you off of that. So, if I go back and I look at my report, and – my report when he was coming, like not even coming out, when he was that junior year, coming off that, that summer evaluation, um, I had similar concerns. My biggest concern was happy and chaotic, happy feet and chaotic in the pocket, not necessarily disciplined on time when it came to his throws. I likened him to Tyrod Taylor. And I compared him to Tyrod okay. Taylor in terms of when Tyrod was coming out of Virginia Tech, he would have these moments, but he couldn't necessarily string it together consistently. Now, he goes into the league, and he had been, I would say, a, a solid starter, not a high end or whatever, but a solid starter. And then, obviously, we saw Baker Mayfield and Tyrod Taylor work together in Cleveland. Baker Mayfield is the superior player. He gets the starting nod. But that is kind of how I envision Mayfield. And so when you bring up, a Colt McCoy, and I bring up a Tyrod Taylor, I think we would say that Tyrod Taylor and Colt McCoy are probably in the same range. They're kind of cousins when it comes to what their NFL uh, careers have been. And so I'm not saying that you and I are the greatest scouts, but we're definitely fishing in the same pond when it came to how we viewed Baker Mayfield. And maybe he does return to form, and maybe he does get back to playing like he did his rookie year. But I'm going to say there are a couple things that are different uh, in terms of his rookie year and what it is this year. His rookie year when Freddie Kitchens took over, Freddie Kif Kitchens really went to a run-heavy approach, more 12 and 13 personnel, meaning one back, two tight ends, or three tight ends. Um, when they threw, they threw on favorable downs, off-play action, early down throws. So defense is thinking run, 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 stick the ball in the belly of the running back, drop back, throw deep digs, deep comebacks, big plays where you got a lot of yardage. Um, they would put those big packages on the field, empty out the formation, so now Baker Mayfield could identify the rush and get it out. He could beat them with his mind in those situations because it's, it's cleaner, it's simpler, it's easier to process. What I'm seeing this year, the addition of OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry still being there, some of their other wide receivers, they're now playing in more 11 personnel sets. So now what they're seeing, mm -hmm. they're seeing all the junk and garbage defenses that defensive coordinators have at their disposal because most of the league operates in 11. So as much as I want to put this completely on Baker Mayfield, a lot of it also has to go to Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens has to do a better job of setting up his young quarterback for success. They have to get back to what they were doing at the end of last year and not trying to expand on it. Get back to the basics, master the basics, and make the defense show that they can stop the stuff that you were doing last year before you advance to other concepts. Well, I, I want to finish this discussion up here. And again, this is fun because we weren't even planning on talking about this, but I, I, I find it fascinating. So I went back. I read you what I thought going into his junior year. Now, 
coming out of his senior year mm-hmm. after the improvements he made. So think about it. You know, junior year, I'm talking about, is this Colt McCoy? Is this yep. guy really kind of a backup quarterback? He ends up being my, my 13th overall player in the draft, and I compared him to Jeff Garcia. I say he's got a quick release. There's a lot of schemed winners. Um, he can vary his arm angles, nice touch. But I did still see it, even on senior film, inconsistent drive accuracy. Um, and that was something that we've seen. Think about all those balls we've seen sail on him and the intermediate throws this year. That, that mm-hmm. stuff, there was a lot of that his junior year, still a little bit of it his senior year, much better his rookie year, and now we're seeing a little bit. It's just a little inconsistent there. That's an area that he's got to continue to work on and clean up. But I did think it was interesting. My comparison leaped from uh, Colt McCoy to a Jeff Garcia uh, well, so, Garcia, you know, was a Pro Bowl quarterback. Yeah, had some good years, but you wouldn't have said that's the first overall pick, right? And I think that was the biggest issue that I had with Baker Mayfield at number one overall is I didn't see the normal things that you would check off for a number a number one overall pick. Normally, you have to have blue qualities in several areas, whether it's accuracy, athleticism, size, performance, production. All of those things. So we can check off the boxes in terms of, hey, look, he played at a high level his senior year. He did have outstanding production. But physically, I don't know if he checked off any of those boxes when it came to being an A-level player and A-level prospect. I know people talked about his accuracy being um, that other trait that put him over the top. But we have seen it with Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley does a great job of scheming things where we've seen him and then we've seen Kyler Murray. And now we're looking at Jalen Hurts. Those guys have easy completions because it's really scripted and that's not a knock on Baker Mayfield but when we talk about evaluating the position and really looking at the talent he didn't strike me as like just go back and think about the number one picks that have played quarterback Cam Newton Andrew Luck Michael Vick like Matthew Stafford like just think about the guys that have heard their name called first when you close your eyes, do you see Baker Mayfield as a guy that is in the same range? Do you see him as a guy that is superior to those guys? I don't think so. And I, so, look, years are different when it comes to the draft, but I felt like he was overdrafted based on his talent. And I think what we're seeing is now the league is caught up a little bit, and we'll see what he and Freddie Kitchens are able to do to sustain it. I think your comparison to Jeff Garcia is great because Jeff Garcia was able to play at a Pro Bowl level because he was aided by the guys around him. He was aided by the coaching staff, being able to put him in great situations. For Baker Mayfield, he has the same stuff around him, but now he needs his coach to put him in a situation where he can elevate him through his play calling and some of the designs that they have on offense. Uh, well, that's a, that was a fun, fun discussion there, Buck. I thought you brought up some great points. It'll be interesting to see how Baker does uh, this next weekend and on through the rest of the season. We know uh, we'll be watching, keep you updated along the way. All right, let's get to let's get some college football and with our eyes towards the draft. And this looks like it could be a very intriguing list of quarterbacks in the upcoming draft, one of which is, uh, is Utah State's Jordan Love. And we got a chance to sit down or catch up, I should say, uh, with his head coach, Gary Anderson, who uh, has done a nice job really building that foundation there at Utah State. Had a couple other stops along the way, and now he's back there uh, coaching up there in Utah. And uh, great to visit with him about this program, the culture as well as his young quarterback. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking some time for us today. It's great to catch up with you. Uh, first question for me is uh, just how special is the culture there at Utah State? You had a chance to be there previously, and, and I feel like when I watch the Utah State program, I'm seeing things I've seen for a very long time. Yeah, it's a pretty tight knit culture. There's no doubt. Uh, you know, as we as we went through time, first time through here, we 
tried to build it up and get a culture and a, a recruiting style and a belief and a philosophy within uh, within our program and you know set with our core values and plan to win and things and uh, when we had left and Matt came in the great thing is is when, it never changed you know the core values when we walked back in here were the same the plan to win was the same so there was a lot of same as there's definitely every coach puts their stamp on it whether that's a position coach or a coordinator or a head coach but you know the beliefs here from our recruiting stance um, you know are just our whole structure of understanding i think utah state is so special because of the way the student athletes the students the small town everybody interacts with each other and it's a special special place because of that so that culture you you have to understand that culture if you're going to be a student athlete here period not just a football player you know coach one of the things that we do we really like to dig deep into the team building process and so i heard you mention core values and philosophy could you share a little bit of that with our listeners what are your core values when it comes to building your team and the guys that you look for well i think the biggest thing is when we recruit again the uniqueness of cash valley is is you are going to be intertwined with the community it's not your choice um and quite frankly students as a whole and at university uh, utah state university as a whole in this university you're a student you're part of this community. Um, student athletes are, are no different. They're out there every single day. Um, our kids need to know that we're going to ask them through our Beyond Football program um, to be out there in the community and be involved in the community. And that's something that uh, I think is special for us. The student athletes here have a special bond. They all live within five minutes of each other, right? I mean, I'm seven minutes from our house. And so that that's a special part of our culture because you walk in here and I believe that you have a uniqueness to getting to know the students as a whole, getting to know your teammates, getting to know your coaches. It's so easy here for me to be able to say, hey, you know, let's go DBs, come up to my house tonight. Let's uh, let's cook some burgers. Let's cook some steaks, whatever we're going to do. Um, and that's harder to do at other places. Uh, the kids are going to walk by each other. They're going to see themselves in the grocery store. So that that's a big part of our culture. The other thing is to, you know, just to understand our goal for us, and we have Beyond Football is a huge part of our program, but we don't look at it as a staff and say our goal is to get you graduated. That's um, a big step in today's culture and a big step in today's part of athletics as a whole and college athletics is to get that degree, and it always has been. Me personally and our staff, we believe that's a cop-out if we stop there. Our belief is with our Beyond Football program, all of our academic success that we help these kids have is when football's done, that door's closed. You've moved along in life. We sit down, we talk and say, hey, I'm thinking, how are things going? And the kid says, hey, you know what? I'm taking care of whatever they've created at that point with a big smile on their face and they're making the money that they want to be able to make to support their family, children, wife, themselves, maybe family, whatever it is. At that point, if they can do that, then we can salute them and say, congratulations, young man, we did our part. And that's a big part of our culture. It's not just, you know, a degree. A lot of people, we always talk about the social aspect, the academic aspect, the social aspect. But at Utah State, it's, it all encompasses together, and that's part of the specialness of it. Coach, I watch f football on Saturdays and when we're studying the tape and studying these teams, especially the teams that are at the very top. For the most part, I see teams that, that look like they're actually having fun. Uh, there's a lot of energy, and I see teams that are also disciplined. And it seems like as a coach, it's got to be a huge challenge where you can try and fill up both of those buckets without neglecting one. It is. Uh, you know, in our locker room, when the coaches walk out of the locker room every day, one of the things it says at the very bottom of a practice is to be detailed, organized, and smile and be big-time D1. Um, those are so important. I mean, if we're doing this and it's torture, man, then let's find something else to do because it's, a, it's the best time in these – I think all of us that would have played this game and been part of it in this. Absolutely. In a, in a, 
university setting, it's some of the best times of their life. It may not be the best, but gosh dang, it's it's right up there. And you need to smile and you have fun when you're doing that. However, you know, it's winning and you want to win. And to win, you need to be disciplined and you need to be able to deal with the adversity. And, you know, our last game was a perfect example of that. You know you're going to face adversity and we're playing a great team in San Diego State. And it, it all went well until about eight minutes left in the third quarter. And all of a sudden we get smacked in the face and this team comes rallying back. And, you know, San Diego State had felt a lot of adversity. They battled back through it. We got to feel that adversity late in the game. We answered back. But if you're not organized and detailed, having fun, belief in yourself and prepare the right way, you're going to lose that game. And at the end of the day, it came down to, to one play. And, you know, we were fortunate to win the game. Um, but you had two good teams battling it, playing up, playing the game the right way. And I think that's uh, that 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 bleeds through your program. It bleeds through your coaches and the kids in the program. And, you know, kids need to have a smile on their face and enjoy this time in their lives for sure. Coach, you, slight, you mentioned adversity and how your guys were able to bounce back from adversity to overcome the challenges. As a coach, how do you teach your guys how to be resilient, to have that necessary grit, to be able to face those tough times and kind of persevere and bounce back through those? Well, I think one thing to that is you need to put them in those situations as much as you can in spring football, in winter conditioning. Um, sometimes that's just being tough enough to dig in when you're a little bit tired and handle those scenarios and don't look at, uh, you know, pointing the finger when you are tired and you learn to push yourself. The next thing is, don't point the finger when things don't go your way and somebody doesn't do their job. So what somebody misses a kick? So what a guy went the wrong way, deal with it and continually move on um, and work so hard. And again, it's kind of a coaching cliche, I suppose, but there's 11 dudes out there. Stay 11 strong in those moments and keep battling with your teammates and, and do it in practice, you know, for, I tell the, during the season to me today, this is game day for, for me as a coach, this is game day for me Tuesday. It's game day. And tomorrow's game day again. And then Thursday, it's not game day anymore. It's more fine-tuning the things that we do. But Saturday is the kids' game day. And so our level of just energy and excitement and belief and preparation as a coach, we need to get that to them today and accept that it's not going to be perfect, which is fine. But train your kids to understand that. What moment are they in? Thursday? Gosh dang it, it's got to be perfect, guys. And I don't want, as a coach, I don't want to say a word to you on Thursday. Okay, on Tuesday, I do. I want to talk to you. I want to help you. I want to communicate with you. But I want you to handle it on Thursday. And to me, that's that's that helps them deal with the adversity because you try to get them in that moment, whether it's a game, whether again it's the off season. Quite frankly, whether it's taking a test, whatever it may be, put them in those situations to help them react. Coach, I, I want to ask you. That's great stuff, by the way. I want to ask you about your quarterback here in Jordan Love, a guy that. Mm -hmm. Uh, everybody in the NFL has been paying attention to for a while as a, uh, a special talent. Uh, but what can you tell us about your signal caller? Uh, how special is this kid? Well, he makes you smile <laughs> in a lot of ways, you know, not just because of, <laughs> he's a tremendous player. He makes you smile because he's just it, he, he's a leader. Um, he's steady Eddie. He's he we have 53, 54 new kids in our program this year, and he knows every one of their names I would I would bet he knows every one of those kids names and he's excited about them being part of the team and he's he's not too big for any part of this process but he uh, I guess the easiest way for me to sum up Jordan Love off the field if I had a daughter I would be real proud if all of a sudden you know he said hey can I marry her I'd be really really happy about that because he's a special special young man on the field 
you know, he's had a couple, three different coordinators. He's handled that very well as he's gone through time. He's a sponge. He wants to get better. Um, he always is just right in the middle. Um, last game, you know, hey, we scored one offensive touchdown. That's not like us. That's not that's not who we are on offense. We know we were playing against a great offense, and but it was those last two drives. I look at Jordan. I catch his eye. He catches my eye, and he winks at me and nods his head, and it was just like, Coach, we got this. We're good. And, you know, that's an awesome place for him to be because we had some problems in that game. We snapped the ball horribly to him. We put him behind the gun of a, an aggressive defense and snapped the ball poorly, which led to him taking his eyes down, getting his eyes up. And as you guys know, as a quarterback, eh, it's pretty difficult when you're playing against a Rocky Long uh, defense. But he just <laughs> plows through it and he keeps on battling and keeps on fighting. Um, I think he's going to be a great pro. Um, I would love to have him for another year if we don't have him for another year. I'm going to be very, very happy that, uh, you know, he makes that decision to go on and play and uh, replacing him will be difficult, but I want what's best for Jordan, which we all do. And um, in this offense, you need a special quarterback, but we have a special quarterback and a very, very special young man also. You know, Coach, and then and, and thinking about that even beyond Jordan, when you think about the quarterback position, because everyone is trying to find the secret sauce to identifying a franchise-caliber quarterback, what do you think are the core traits that um, a top quarterback must have to be a winner and a championship-level player? Well, um, I don't know what it takes at that level at the NFL. I'm not going to speak on that level, but I'll speak on college a little <laughs> bit. You know, just I think it's important to be that, you know, that tremendous leader um, is so, so important and, and lead in his way. Some some young young men are much more vocal. Some are just stay in the middle. Some put their arm around you and, and, and lead in your style is number one. Number two for me is in our offense, he has to be able to get the ball out and read extremely quickly. Um you know, you're going to have free hitters coming at you at times. You've got to get that ball out and get those reads um, and get the ball to the playmakers and your opp the opportunity comes to uh, to get that ball out quickly. Um, organize, handle, and run the offense uh, when things are good, when things are bad. And then lastly, I would say, you know, recruit like crazy to get great players around you because in the spread, if you don't have great receivers, great running backs, uh, even if you're a great quarterback, you're going to be average really, really fast. So, uh you know, recruit like crazy to get uh, good players around you. I love that. Coach, uh, the, the last question I have for you, and this is our, our favorite question we've come up with this year. We've had so many coaches on. We've got these amazing stories. Uh, throughout your, your coaching career, uh, we're talking about the best high school football player you've ever seen. Didn't necessarily have to be a player that played for you, signed with you. And we've got answers from from Sammy Watkins to Frank Gore, uh, Allen Iverson. Uh, somebody mentioned Allen Iverson was the best high school football player they'd ever seen. Uh, we had somebody that even seen LeBron James play in high school and talked about him. Yeah. Uh, but is there one player that stands out through all your years of coaching in high school, just the pure best high school football player you ever laid eyes on? Uh, th this is probably a little bit crazy, but uh... – Maybe because of what he did in college and where he went to and what position he ended up playing. But Steve Fafita for me at Utah, when I mean, he was basically a running back in high school um, and he became the MVP of the Fiesta Bowl as a nose guard. Uh, but he was you, you couldn't tackle him. Um, he was a bowling ball. Uh, great running back, and he did everything for his team in high school. I mean, he did everything for his team in high school and was a, a fantastic player, and then obviously he was a fantastic player for us. But he was always that guy that was – you know, he was he was too big to be that running back in college, and then so he was, but he was too short to be that defensive lineman, and he just can defied Oz forever and ever and ever. Uh, 
So I would go with Steve. I'll, I'll probably get a few phone calls if these people listen to this going down the line saying, come on, coach, that was me. Um, it's, it's hard to say no to Eric Weddle to that too. You, know, you, you think of another one, Eric yes, Weddle would be really yes. hard to not put in that spot because he was you – know, I think that's who Kyle gave forever, us. So. Yeah, did he? He gave you Eric? Yeah, that wouldn't surprise yep. me. He would, he'd be right he there. Gave us Eric. And, and, yeah. and he, he, uh, Kyle recruited Fifi, so he should remember Steve Fafita too. So he'd probably second on his list. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That is so good. Hey, Coach, uh, we can't thank you enough for your time, man. It's uh, it's great to visit with you. I meant it when I said the, the culture of this program. It goes back to when you were there the first time. Uh, I know when I've turned on Utah State, I'm going to see a fast team. I'm going to see a team that plays extremely hard. Uh, that's a credit to you and your staff for the for the culture you've built there. Well, I appreciate you having us on, guys, and you're right. We're, we're blessed to be around a great group of kids every single day, and a lot of coaches have that, but uh, we definitely have it, and, and we don't take that for granted, so I appreciate it. All the best, Coach. Thank you so much. Okay. Go Aggies, guys. All right, Buck. You got here, Coach Anderson there. I mean, this is uh, uh, somebody – look, I've had a lot of respect for that program. There are certain programs around the country where you kind of they have an identity, they have a culture, you know what you're getting. And I, I think Utah State out of the Mountain West has, has become one of those programs. You know they're going to have speed on the field. You know they're going to be a very tough physical team. Yeah, absolutely. Look, this is a team that if you're going through there and like you and I both had to cover the West during our time in Scouts and I went through there when they had Donald Penn and Chris Cooley and they've had uh, oh, yeah. a number of NFL Scouts that have, have played Bobby Wagner, Bob, Bobby Wagner played there. So look, this is a university. This is a program that has produced solid NFL players and Jordan Love will be the next one that comes out of there. And I think you know, when you just watch him on the tape, he has a lot of traits that you look for. He has size. He has athleticism. He has big time arm talent. He's able to move inside and outside the pocket and so just from that standpoint he's very intriguing but then when you see some of the creativity uh some of the plays that he's able to make off the script i think he is a guy that's going to entice people and never underestimate the impact that pat mahomes success will have on the evaluation that people have on jordan love when you look at patrick mahomes at texas Tech, he was a raw prospect who Kind of played sandlot ball, but what he had was a lot of intriguing physical tools. And so Pat Mahomes goes from being that sandlot player at Texas Tech, becomes an NFL MVP in two years, partially because he had an opportunity to work under a great quarterback developer in Andy Reid. There are some people that are going to view Jordan Love as the next Pat Mahomes, and they're going to be eager to get their hands on him because they think they can unlock an NFL MVP when it comes down the road. Yeah, you know, I, I wrote down a lot of the same things, you know, about the Pat Mahomes thing. You see him, I, we were talking about the play before we went on air, about him dropping a ball, uh, scooping it up, rolling all the way to his left, throwing all the way across his body down the field. It ended up not being a completion, but you see kind of that, that freewheeling, just raw ability he possesses. And I went back and, you know, going through that San Diego State game, just some of my notes. I mean, everything, he's just real smooth. Uh, his lower body's very calm and smooth when he's set up in the pocket. The ball explodes out of his hand. Uh, tremendous velocity. He's comfortable on the move to either side. He had some drops in this game uh, on some beautiful fade balls down the field. You see glimpses of anticipation, which is good to see. Sometimes you get the big arm guys, you don't necessarily see them anticipate. There's a couple out routes where he got the ball out quickly and uh, and showed some of that. Not pinpoint accurate. You know, he's, he's, he's on the body, but not everything's right where you want it to be. Uh, so there's some improvements that can be made there. But, man, just the... The raw tools are tantalizing, just the way the ball jumps out of his hand and how, how he moves around. There's a lot 
to like about Jordan Love? There's a lot to like. And I think the perfect situation for Jordan Love, if he elected to come out, would be a, a situation where you had a veteran quarterback. So it wasn't a rush to necessarily put him on the field. Now, it doesn't have to be one of those the usual suspects that we, we'll talk about, like a, a Drew Brees or, or Philip Rivers or even a big man. But a situation no. where you have a guy that is a starter that you feel okay with for the next year or so while you can kind of figure out what Jordan Love is as a player and how you can best develop him. Uh, if he has that opportunity, I do believe the parallels and some of the things that um, we talk about, the crossover analysis between Pat Mahomes and him, I think some of those things can come to fruition. Uh, I just think it's important that you understand exactly where he is. Uh, right now, he's a better probably prospect than player in terms of what he checks off. Yeah. But in time, he could be an outstanding player at the next level. And you hear Coach talk about his intangibles, and that's only going to help his cause when you hear you know, how hard he works and how high his character is. So um, that's going to be someone. It sounds like the more people around him, they're going to really enjoy being around him and, and want to coach him. So um, I, I think he's a very intriguing player. We'll see if he decides to come out. You know, you heard Coach say if he comes out, he'll wish him the best, and uh, he'll be his biggest fan. But it got me looking at just early on here. There's so much more tape to do, and there's mm -hmm. decisions that need to be made whether these guys are going to come out or not. I've got six potential guys that could be first-round picks, Bucky. You tell me if I'm crazy, but so far with, with Herbert, Tua, Jake Fromm at Georgia, we just talked about Jordan Love, Joe Burrow, who's had a phenomenal year at LSU, and Jacob Eason, who has been a little bit up and down this year, but, man, the highs are very high, and the ability is is off the charts there. That's that's uh, that's six guys. Yeah, I think there's six guys that are definitely in that conversation. If if each of these guys decided to throw their name in um, the ring to to be in the 2020 draft, I think we would talk about all of them at the top of the board. Um, Tua, Herbert, Fromm, Love, Burrow, and Eason. Um, number one in my mind in, in terms of as a player and as a prospect would be Tua. Um, part of the reason Tua yeah. owns the number one spot is just he is a playmaker. He is a big stage performer. We've seen him make big plays when the game is on the line in big moments. He doesn't appear to kind of wilt under the pressure. He's been coached well at Alabama. Um, he has playmakers around him, so it makes it really easy for him to kind of just drop the ball off and be a, a point guard. Um, I think the biggest thing for Tua, the biggest thing that he is going to face as he moves and transitions to the National Football League, patience. Is he patient enough to be able to win you kind of playing the paper cut game? We have seen the great quarterbacks in our league, Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers to Tom Brady's. They're willing to take the check down after check down after check down. And all of a sudden, you look over the course of the game, they have put together 28, 30 completions against only 35 or 36 attempts, and they're beating you with these 5- and 10-yard throws. I don't know if at this stage, two is disciplined enough to restrain from, to resist the temptation to force the ball into coverage when he can take the short check down, is he patient enough to be a guy that can be a disciplined, detailed player from the pocket? That is the only question that I have about Tua when it comes to playing in the league. I should probably also mention, you know, look, Jalen Hurts is something oh, that I yeah. would never imagine would even ever be in this conversation. But the way he's played this year, the way the league is going, um, I don't think you can dismiss him. So that gives you that's seven names there to try and sort through. And, and then you say, OK, well, who are the teams? You know, are there teams that are there that many teams in the quarterback market? Surprisingly, yes, Buck. And this I came up with 10 
when I jotted these down. Um, obviously, Miami, everybody knows about. Cincinnati, I think we probably, you know, a struggling team might be time for them to move on from Andy Dalton. Uh, Pittsburgh, you know, if, if this trial period here doesn't go well, although they don't own a first-round pick, so they'd have to trade back into the first round after the trade for Minka Fitzpatrick. Mm. Um, but the, we'll see what happens with Mason Rudolph there. Uh, Jacksonville. Um, you know, Gardner Minshew, he's going to get a little trial run here. We'll see how that goes, but they could potentially be one with Nick Foles kind of being the short-term solution. Tennessee, big year uh, for Mariota. The Chargers with a, with Rivers getting older. I put the Raiders on there because, look, new city, I would not rule that one out as a potential. Uh, then you've got Carolina, we'll see, with Cam. Um, I know we've seen we like what we've seen so far from Kyle Allen, but that's a that's a, a snapshot there. We'll see how he does the rest of the year. New Orleans uh, with Drew getting a little bit older, obviously, and then Tampa Bay. I think Tampa and Tennessee, Mariota and Winston, those would be intriguing. Although uh, Winston's played uh, played better this year thus far, but that's that's ten teams potentially, and I'm sure there's a couple more out there. Yeah, um, DJ, it's, it's really crazy when you, when you look at the quarterback position because we just talked about it last weekend, how it's the changing of the guard at the quarterback position. So many new young quarterbacks that are kind of rising up, so many guys that are kind of entering the beginning of their primes, and teams are really excited about having young quarterbacks in place. But as much as we say that, we still look and see these teams who have glaring weaknesses at the quarterback position. So how do you... Uh, take care of that where you got to find the best available quarterback in the draft plug them in and hope that they can be the one to kind of right your wrongs when it comes to the franchise but then there are these other teams that are transitioning out of older quarterbacks it's always the same guys the la Chargers, the pittsburgh steelers the new england yeah. patriots the new orleans saints uh but now you talk about the carolina panthers and cam newton his physical rugged style may make it where he can never return to being that cam newton so do you move on from him even though you invest a third round pick in will greer you have a kyle allen who has shown flashes would that prevent you from on draft day if one of these top quarterbacks are there so it's an interesting time it's, it's a terrific um conversation to have about these young quarterbacks and what everyone with each one of them brings to the table no doubt um all right let's get on to a uh let's get on to a fan question here i know we had a fan question out there what what was it nabil you got it for us uh yeah so the fan question is i know that it's still too early to say if jacoby Brissett is the colts franchise qb or not but if mm-hmm. you could pick a qb that is likely to come out in next year's draft that fits best in frank reich's scheme and system which QB or QBs should they pick or look at? Mm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, look, I, I think they're, you know, they like Jacoby Brissett. I don't imagine that they would decide to move on from Brissett. Uh, but Frank Reich's been around a lot of different players. You know, he's been around Philip Rivers, who's been, uh, you know, was obviously very successful. Um, you look at Carson Wentz, who he was around in Philadelphia, is totally different than, uh, than Philip Rivers. I think Coach Reich's able to kind of adapt his system and his scheme to what he has around him. But um, any of those names jump out to you, Buck, that uh, would fit him? Man, you know, he's so uh, versatile in terms of what he's been able to be around and what he can coach. I mean, if you're looking at the Colts and where they potentially could be, it's going to be a bottom, like a bottom of the first round type player, like off that. How about from? It's funny because that's what I had circled. Working off that list, I think from would be the guy that matches where he probably should be drafted and where they will be picking. I think bottom of the first round, somewhere in that, he could be a nice match. And the reason that he is a nice match, just look at the work that he's done with Jacoby Brissett. To me, Jacoby Brissett are really the, the traits that I'm, I listed about from are, are similar. Manager, winner, great intangibles, uh, does enough to get it done, competitive, not afraid of competition within the quarterback room. 
Well, when I look at Jacoby Brissett, you could say the same things about him. Solid manager. He's a winner when he's been surrounded about the right players. You talk to coaches, they talk about the intangibles. And more importantly, man, he knows how to get it done. He knows how to get his, his car to the winner's circle. So, yeah, Jake Fromm would be an interesting prospect for the Indianapolis Colts if both were in that quarterback market. And you, you think about what are the similarities between Carson Wentz and Phillip Rivers, obviously completely different athletes, uh, different, you know, arm strength, too, I would say. But both very uh, uh, students of the game, guys that have uh, uh, come out of systems in college where they were coached extremely well. And, and ha- you put a lot on their plate is, is what I'm getting at. And I think Jake Fromm, from what you hear at Georgia, while it doesn't necessarily blow you away with the physical stuff, um, you can put a lot on his plate. He's going to make decisions uh, at extremely high level, get the ball where it's supposed to go. Um, you know, I think that probably more in line with Rivers there, uh, just not as big as Phillip. But there are some similarities there between Fromm and Rivers. So uh, that one makes some sense. Yeah, it definitely makes some sense. Um, you know, this, this quarterback thing is, is interesting because some guys will tell you about the physical stuff. When we've had all our coaches on, we've talked to them, a lot of the traits. And there are a lot of guys in this conversation that we're talking about that have the right traits, not the physical stuff, but the intangibles. And so it just kind of depends on what your coach and what your ownership values. But, man, there are a lot of good prospects, a lot of intriguing prospects. The quarterback market is a robust one when it comes to the draft. No doubt. Um, that Those questions, by the way, when you leave a little five-star rating on, on the Apple Podcasts, throw a question in there. We will uh, we'll get to it on our Thursday episodes each and every week. So appreciate that. Uh, keep those coming. Uh, football's back. Watch live local and primetime NFL games for free all season long with the Yahoo Sports app or the official app of the NFL on your phone or tablet. Plus, get all your latest breaking news, highlights, and more. Download the NFL app or the Yahoo Sports app in your app store at NFL.com slash mobile today. Certain restrictions and data rates may apply. Buck, have you ever heard of uh, this, like, phenomenon on social media uh, where they call, like, unboxing? You know, like, people get, like, new shoes and they, like, oh, yeah, 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 open it up. Yes. So cool, man. I've always wanted to do that. And fortunately, today I am going to do that oh. because I got a little uh, oh, got snap. a little package here. Did you? Did you? That, that, from, that, that, uh, package, Boone, that, that package it, didn't come from, from Boom, did it? I figured it's such. Uh, it did. It says from, it's from Eli Drinkwitz. It's, man, he's uh, really says, on that, huh? It says in, uh, Don't you have a game this weekend? It's a little present. Are we still living in yesteryear? A little present here. Nabil, th- this, this isn't. Nabil, here's what I would tell you. Here's what I would tell you as a coach. As a coach, you can't drive the car looking in the rearview mirror. See. At some oh, yeah. point, you're a crash. Oh, yeah. This is nice. At some point, you're a crash. This you is a nice-looking shirt here. Oh, I don't. Oh, look, yeah. That doesn't look like it's my size. Uh, yep. That's too big. That's yeah, way it, too hold big. Hold on. Let me see. That's yep, way too it big. Says, what size I look that? up the size right what here. Size it, says, it, says, uh, it says Bucky size. That's yeah, that's right way too big. That's draping off me. The good thing is it has the Nike swoosh on it. That's yours. It's all yours, buddy. Man, but what am I going to wear that with? I don't even have shorts oh, to go with that's going to look like, good you, on you. What do you that wear that with? That is going to look so nice on you. What, what do you even wear that with? Oh, you want some shorts? Maybe we do another unboxing. I, I don't know. I don't know what else. I don't that. know what you. What do you wear with that? You know, like, what, you know what? What, goes, what goes with black? Here's the great thing. Here's a nice thing, Bucky. You want some shorts. You know, we can afford it now because <laughs> some dumb program, get this. This dumb program paid us a bunch of money to go mm. kick their butts, and so wow. we were just flush with cash right now and a win. I didn't know it was George, an amazing experience. George, Georgia Southern pays that much money? I thought that's a conference game. Georgia Southern paid <laughs> Troy? They paid a lot of money for those things? Man, I just don't know what to do with, uh, that, with all hey, of that thank stuff. You. Just say, hey, the polite thing to do uh, when say you get present is just say thank you. That's all you got to do. I'll make, sure, I'll make sure that I, I thank Coach Drink. I'll make sure I, I, I tweet him a, a, a special thank you. Coach Drink. For the, yeah, for the, for the yeah, gift. Yeah, please do. I'll, I'll make sure. 
right. Well, I appreciate that. Do you have Anything an- else you want to add before we get out of here? I don't know. Do you have another buy this week? Do you, do you have a buy this week? I mean, who are y'all playing this week? Do y'all play this week? Uh, oh, yeah, we play, man. Come oh, on. I haven't heard anything about I it. I haven't heard. Game. Coastal Carolina. I haven't heard Coastal. anything. Oh, no. Man, hey, the chance of clears. They should feel we, disrespected. We. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't even talked about them. Ah, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. Hold on. Hold on. Wait a second. I'm trying to think. Nah, I won't do it. I was gonna, I was gonna make a joke about you giving up about eighty points to Clemson this week, but I decided that's not cool, so I won't do that. Oh man, this might be the week. This might be the week we turn it around. It might be the setup. We might have been looking ahead. Might have been looking ahead to Clemson. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's it. That's a ticket. Uh, all right, you can check out the Move to Six podcast. Download, subscribe. Uh, you can find it on any look, any place where you can listen to podcasts. You can find us. So appreciate you guys checking us out. All our videos, nfl.com slash mts video. We do have the new YouTube channel, youtube.com slash nfl podcasts. Uh, a lot of fun this week. I look forward to a great weekend of football. Uh, we'll be back with you on Monday with our takeaway podcast with our buddy Rhett Lewis. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Let's go places. Turns out a delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything they make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived and other thoughtfully chosen ingredients, their cleaning products smell like a dream and work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. Goodness, there's no better feeling than that. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Visit MrsMyers.com today. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Bosch at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com slash build. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked, game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing Decked Deco Cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at Decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked, your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. 
Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 